Hey everyone, Mike here. Welcome to the Around the Crease podcast, and this week we're talking win streaks. Welcome to episode 54 of the Around the Crease podcast. This week, Michael Ward and I have three guests with us today. We have coaches from Middle Creek High School in North Carolina, Dairyfield High School out of New Hampshire, and Summit High School out of New Jersey. Why do we have these three seemingly random people on our podcast this week? Because all three of these head coaches have extensive experience with leading their teams on long win streaks. In fact, Coach Davidson, who's the head coach at Summit High School, in some indirect way is responsible for me even starting a site like Lax Records because their winning streak was going on right around the same time that I was the high school lacrosse editor for ESPN, and I was curious on what the longest streak was while Summit was in process of winning 68 games. So we talked to all three coaches on the uh, ups and downs, so to speak, of leading your team on an extensive win streak. But first, we're going to do a quick sponsor read, and then we're going to get right into the show. All right. Welcome to the podcast, coaches. I have Coach Nick Halota from Middle Creek High School in North Carolina and Coach Chris Hetler. He's the head coach at Dairyfield High School out of New Hampshire. And today we're talking, um, one of my favorite subjects really, is consecutive wins and win streaks. Um, this is one of those stats that I just kind of, I forget why I decided to start keeping it, but I think it started with, I think it was West Islip out of New York. They had a 40-some game streak a couple years ago, I think when I first started covering across. Yeah, they had a 40-game streak from 2010 to 2011. And then Summit out of New Jersey had a 68-game streak that was kind of running that same time. So it was one of those – I became curious on who had the longest streak. And um, it's up there, which we'll get to. But you guys um, have both guided your teams to pretty long win streaks. So to kick it off, I just kind of want to ask, really, at what point – does anybody really become aware that you are on a win streak? And um, Coach Halota, we'll start with you. I think for us, it was, uh, you know, towards the end of that first year when you're trying to, you know, really just focus on playoffs. And, you know, you get to the playoffs and you realize, you know, you've completed an undefeated season, regular season, and then, you know, to kind of finish it off, you're like, well, at this point, I guess we got to just win them all. And, that's probably, you know, starts to become a little bit more aware of what it is you're trying to accomplish. And, um, you know, and, and you kind of reflect on the regular season and hope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coach Hetler, how about you? So for us, I think, um, you know, Mike, you actually, you covered, uh, we're, we're in, uh, we're in their territory up here. Bedford, New Hampshire, uh, had had a really long streak as well yes. out of New Hampshire. Yes, seventy-two. Yeah, and so I think for us, it started back in 2016. We went 19 and one. We lost one game by a goal, and then um, you know the last two seasons we've gone undefeated. So really, I think at the end of 2017, when we went undefeated, people started to take notice, and then um, you know by the end of last year, people you know they were they were watching your website. It drew them drew a little bit of media attention here, and um, so yeah, now people are looking at us, sort of saying, you know, can we get up there with Bedford? Um, so yeah, it really kind of started towards the middle of last season. Okay, so it, so for you guys, really two and a half years before anybody really just started to to notice, and that's interesting. Like, at, so that may have been a little bit more like of uh, maybe the media attention, but does anybody with the program like? Do you ever get like? another coach or maybe a player or anybody like that to be like, Oh, you know, we won 10 straight or 15 straight is like, does there seem to be a magic whenever it first crops up at all? You know, I, I think for, at least for our program, we've tried to just, uh, we've tried to build it. Like our end goal is to try and win the championship to get back to the championship game every year. And so, you know, we're just trying to keep that next game on our horizon. And I know that's kind of cliche, but um, we're really, we're really just focused on trying to get to that final result. And we, we talk all the time about, like, the streak is great, but if we lose, we lose. Ultimately, we want to win a championship. Nobody's going to remember, you know, how many games you've won if you don't win that last game at the end of the season. So, really, the end goal for us is to try and win that championship. Um, but, I mean, I think, I think the kids, once they saw that, you know, we were creeping up there towards what Bedford had accomplished a long time ago, 
that was pretty neat, and, and I think that is something that's on uh, their minds coming into this season. We've got a very challenging schedule this season. We scheduled a couple out-of-state games. We've got some Division One teams on our schedule. So uh, if they are able to do it, if they are able to run the table again this year, it's it's not going to be easy. So, um, yeah, we're, we're excited going into the season this year. Yeah. And, uh, Coach Lauder, you know, one thing I'm curious about, as obviously I've, I've talked to many coaches over the years, and it's one of those things that we're dealing with high school kids. Not always known to be the most focused at all times, so I'm sure one of your guys' job is to make sure the kids are as prepared to play. Um, you know, how much of a challenge is just that, like getting the kids focused, game in, game out, and especially with these streaks that span multiple years? You know, I think that's where, uh, you know, you got to really lean on the leadership within the program. You know, you really spend some extra time with your captains, your seniors, try to make sure that they, you know, kind of uh, are the ones leading the, the kind of attitude and the approach and make sure you have a good pulse on where your team's at and kind of the mental state, you know. And so, you know, over the year, you know, with our leaders, with our captains, and just kind of, you know, we, are we tight? Are we getting a little nervous? Are we thinking about this? Do we need to do something to sort of uh, get our minds off of, you know, something that's too big? I think, uh, I think coaches um, – point is is exactly right where you're just as you know as a coach you're just simply focused on the next game and really at the end of the day a winning streak is isn't really the goal it's just trying to play better at the end of the season so you get yourself in that situation where you're making sure the players are you know there isn't any other distractions other than the next game and I think coach is also right you tend to pedal in a lot of cliches and that's just where you kind of keep hammering home. But, you know, you really, you really need strong leadership. Um, we've had that over the past two years with some really good uh, seniors and some really good captains and guys that understood that it was just a, pre- a preparation for the next game and took every next game and every opponent really serious. So, you know, you, you really got to get those guys, uh, the leaders dialed in, and then the, kind of the rest of the team will sort of follow if you have that. Coach Lauder, like, I know it was one of those things, like, you guys obviously – your streak did not end near like I'm sure you don't care about the streak. The 43 games kind of meaningless because you guys lost in the uh, it was a championship game last year, right? That was your last game of the year, so that mattered more than losing the streak. I would have to assume, correct? Yeah, I mean for sure that was uh, <laughs> that was a tough way for end, you know, um, and uh, that it definitely pressure to that game too because you have these two things taking place you know the goal of the you know winning the state chip which is obviously you set out to do every year um, but also coinciding with you know trying to keep this this streak going which certainly by the second year you know had gotten some media attention Um, to be quite frank in North Carolina there's not always the best tracking of records and streaks and things like that so maybe something that helped us a little bit was I don't know how much really knew, um, you know, where we even were, how how related to any other streak. We had to do a little research to find out. Yeah. You know, I think 28 or 29 games was the highest we could even find. So, um, you know, I don't even think that we – Coach Hetler, I'll, I'll kind of propose the same question because, um, you know, just – because you mentioned the Bedford streak a couple times. So, is there just a little bit more awareness in New Hampshire as far as a long win streak like that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, with with the Bedford winning streak and, and the national attention that that, that brought, uh, I think, one, it, it brought attention to the great work that you guys are doing there. And two, I think it also uh, brought attention to just the, the, the great lacrosse that's being played in New Hampshire right now. Um, Bedford since then has moved up to Division One, and so now they're playing teams like Pinkerton and Bishop Girton. Um, so, you know, the way that New Hampshire is structured – it, it tends to allow teams to go kind of on runs like this when they're doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that streak that Bedford put together kind of helped put us on the map. And now people are looking to see how long we can <laughs> kind of hold on to this streak um, and go from there. Yeah. And Coach Loda, I know you, we kind of lost you there for a second. So I wanted to go back because you had mentioned um, you guys couldn't really find what the other streak was. The longest one before yours, your 43-game streak was – was Lake Norman, who won the championship last year, but they had a streak from 2012 to 2013 that was 27 games. So that was okay. the longest I've been able to find 
um, in North Carolina. So currently you guys have the, the longest streak that I've ever been able to find in the state. Now, I know some of the records, especially kind of dating back um, in the 90s, is harder to find. So that may or may not be accurate. And usually the best way for me to find out is to say something is a record and someone usually lets me know if I'm wrong. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, you guys have that. I'm sure, you know, the, the way, like you guys have said, no, one's, no one starts their season hoping to go on a long win streak. You start the season hoping to win the final game of the year. Um, and that's, that's the goal. Um, but looking kind of overall, like, what do you think, and uh, Coach Hloda, we'll start with you, what is the biggest challenge of a, on an extended streak like this? Is it keeping the kids focused, game in, game out? Is it when it starts to get a little bit more attention and people start paying? Like, does it add more pressure? What's the biggest challenge of something like this? Uh, I would say from, from our point of view, you know, as a, as a coach, I think what, what I found to be really difficult, and, you know, as you talk about preparing the final game and being the best you can at the end of the season, you kind of hit some tough moments where you find yourself in some games where, you know, if you weren't trying to keep this, you know, this streak going, which you know deep down is important to the kids, you know, you find yourself in weird situations where, you know, you're, you're looking at your lineup, you're looking at keeping kids healthy and managing legs. And sometimes you find yourself in situations where, you, you know, you, you game manage maybe a little bit differently because you, you are thinking, you know, you know, really, you know, is this a game where I would like to cycle more kids in, but, you know, you don't really want to lose the streak. So I found from a coaching standpoint, that's kind of a challenge of trying to keep developing your younger players while at the same time, you know, where you might have a situation where, you know, almost sometimes as a coach, it's like a loss at some point during the season is, is okay or it can help you or you know you're going to play some younger guys this game and if it bites you, it's okay. It's going to help you in the long run. Mm-hmm. I found that to be, a, to be a little bit interesting because, you know, you're trying to kind of balance that. Um, you know, and then certainly I think as from a player standpoint, you know, I think, I think the, the stress does start to add up a little bit. You know, you're, you're trying to make sure that they stay loose, stay relaxed. Um, but, you know, it can definitely start to, when you start to get up into, you know, 20, 30 in a row, um, you know, the guys can, can get a little bit tight. So you try to keep it fun. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to play your best when you're loose, you're having a good time. And so I think trying to find ways to make sure practices are high-paced, high-energy, fun, and the guys aren't getting, you know, overly stressed and, and have a good time with it and really enjoying it because the, all the streaks are going to end at some point. And so, you know, you got to kind of enjoy the ride while you're going. But I, I found those two things to be, you know, sort of interesting as the as the progression went, as we kind of got further along with it. Yeah. How about you, Coach Hetler? Yeah, I, I agree with Coach. Um, you know, I, I think it is – it does make it tough when you're, when you're trying to manage your lineup and trying to work in some younger guys. Um, but for my guys, I back get on our back, and that does focus the kids in practice. So you can say, uh, you know, it's going to be an easy week. Is knowing every single team coming in there, they want to be that team that knocks you off that streak. So it does give me a little bit more juice in practice to say, hey guys, look, we have to take every opponent seriously. We have to make sure that we are preparing for each opponent like we're playing in a state championship because those teams are going to come in and give you your best effort. So in that respect, it does kind of, it does kind of give you a little bit more leverage in practice, but I also agree with coach that it can start to wear on your team as the season goes on. And if you don't manage it correctly, it's, it's not, it's almost less physical stress and more mental stress that it puts on your team, you know? And, and so you have to figure out ways to get guys to relax and, you know, we just kind of put it out there uh, as, as the streak was going on. We kind of said, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? We're going to lose, right? And, and life goes on, and we've lost before. We've lost state championships. We've lost games, and the next season happens. So, you know, if that does happen, let's not freak out, you know, and then go in there, play loose, and just enjoy the game. And so that approach has worked really well, and I think that's kind of like where we're at. Like, would we love to get up to the Bedford streak? Absolutely. And if it happens, that'll be great. But we've challenged, like we said, we wanted to have, the kids wanted to have a challenging schedule this year. We put together what we think is going to be a great schedule. And if we lose, we lose. But, um, you know, the streak does, like Coach said, it does mean a lot to the kids and they want to keep it going yeah. as long as possible. And I'm going to ask a tough question because I know, it, you know, it's, everybody wants to win. At the end of the day, you want to collect the W. You don't want to go home uh, with sure. an L. But is there value in taking a loss during the season, you know, playing a team that may be, you know, above your weight class and getting punched in the mouth a little bit. So the kids know what that's like. So when they, cause obviously 
you're going to get that in those playoff games. You're getting everybody – like you guys both mentioned, you have the target. Every, you're getting everybody's best game in, game out because they want to be the team to end that streak. Is there any value in something like that during the season so the kids kind of get that experience? Not when it means less, but it means a lot less in the regular season than, than it does when it's do or die in the playoffs. And Coach uh, Hetler, we'll start with you because you just finished talking. Absolutely. I mean, I, I go back to 2016, back when uh, it was actually the game we lost that started this streak. We were playing uh, uh, Concord, New Hampshire, and they were a Division One school. They had a great goaltender at the time, created, came in, played a, an amazing zone against us, really shut us down, and we ended up losing by one. And it really just refocused the kids and said, look, if we, you know, they were all coming into the season expecting, like, this is our year. We're going to win our first ever Division Two championship. And it kind of refocused the kids and said, wow, you know what? If we don't play our best, if we don't come in, anybody can knock us off. Anybody can beat us. And um, so I, I do. I firmly believe in, in, in taking good losses during the regular season. I'm as competitive as anyone, and so are the kids. And, you know, you don't want to lose any games. But I, I do believe in a, in a good loss during the regular How season. How about you, Coach? Hello? Yeah, I think, uh, I think what's interesting is, like, you know, as a coach, there's there's only so many things that you really can can control, and I think you know you're always trying to say, all right, if we do lose, how are we going to bounce back from it? And it's one of the things I think that a, a coach can really help a team do. And so many great championship stories. You know, when you talk to any sport or a coach, you know, they'll talk about you know the loss that kind of got us on back. You know, after that game, and then so when you're on the streak, it's like you don't have that opportunity to to kind of take the loss. So Sometimes as a coach, not that you ever want to lose a game, but you're always prepared to lose that one. And then, you know, what are you, you know, what are you going to tell them afterwards? What's that practice going to be like after that loss? And, you know, you're going to take that loss and we're going to spin it to be a positive. And then when it never happens, I think what ends up happening is you got to find other things, you know, to push. So sometimes it might not be a loss, but maybe a game that you just don't play well, even if you, you know, finish with a win, but you go back and you break down the film and, you're, you know, you're really getting on the guys and saying, you know, this very well could have been the loss where, you know, we got lucky to get out of it live and we got to really refocus, um, you know, when it comes, you know, to those kind of things. So I think what gets to be challenging is you're trying to find those motivational moments. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they come from losses. And so you just got to be creative to find other ways to create adversity. We do a ton of competitions in practice. So you're trying to create even winning and losing just within the practices um, to kind of, you know, create that environment where, you know, there's a lot of value in it. And, uh, and like coach said, you never, you know, the goal is never to lose, but I think from a coaching standpoint, you're always prepared when it happens to say, we're going to bounce back from it. So it is kind of tough when you, when you just don't have those moments. So you're trying to find them elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask one more question and I'll let Michael ask whatever he had, but I'm curious, um, was there, and coach Loder, we'll start with you. Is there any particular game? And I know yours is a little bit different because, your streak ended at the last game of last year, so you guys haven't got a chance to wipe that out yet. But other than that one, is there a memorable game that happened while you guys were winning that kind of stands out as like maybe that moment to be like, we have something special on our hands or like this is the team that, you know, is there a game like that that just kind of stands out? Yeah, I think uh, I think last year, you know, two years ago, I had a pretty special group and you know, putting together an undefeated season was sort of contained in and of itself. And so we came into last year, we had graduated a lot of seniors. I don't think we were thinking about, you know, continuing the winning streak or, or, or you know, going into the, the you know the championship game undefeated. Um, I think what really stood out from that group was the Weddington game. Um, you know, they, they were a really, really good team and, you know, go on and, and, and kind of roll through the 3A championship. And uh, we end up, you know, playing probably our closest game in, in a year and a half against them and, and, they played, uh, they played well. We didn't play great and kind of got lucky on a couple goals and, and things like that. So I think that game kind of stands out because that was one where after we won that, we really didn't play well enough probably to win. It just kind of had some bounces go our way. And mm-hmm. um, so I was like, hey, we got, some, we got something going here. There's just a little bit of mojo and, uh, you know, and, and you kind of just get some bounces. And that, that's the one where I thought we very well could have ended the streak and, and it kind of went on from there. So, you know, that one yeah. and, and – uh, and Weddington certainly was, you know, uh, a really fun game and, and a really challenging game. So that, that one definitely stood out. And I know sometimes better lucky than good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Coach Hetler, how about you? Any game that has stood out so far? I think, um, you know, last season, towards the end of the season last year, we were, we were rolling really well in the beginning of the season. 
Um, you know, we have, we have a lot of advantages compared to uh, some of the other New Hampshire schools up here. We have turf. Uh, we, we don't do a traditional February, April break. We do a two week break in March. So we can kind of really roll into the season. And, and a lot of times we're, we're ahead of other teams and then they catch up as the season goes along towards the end of last season. I, I remember thinking, you know, things are going great. And then our last two regular seasons, uh, regular season games of the year, we played Goffstown and Winnicott, two teams that, you know, were great. They were very good teams last year, but, you know, teams that I think a lot of people were expecting us to roll over pretty easily. And all of a sudden we found ourselves in dogfights. And, you know, I just, I couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, are my guys bored or they just don't, you know, they just not into it anymore. And, you know, I talked to them afterwards and basically it was just, they were mentally exhausted. We had finals coming up. We had, um, you know, it was just a long season. And so we had to really refocus at the end of last season. And then we went into the semifinal game and a, a really good and physical Wyndham team took us to a one goal game in the semifinals. And I think that like finally kind of woke my guys up and said, wow, we really, we have to pull it together for one more game or, you know, all this work we've done could be for nothing. We could end up losing in the championship. And, and the guys really rallied. They found a way to pull it off and we just played probably about as well as we could play in that championship game um, and ended up beating uh, Portsmouth for the, for the second year in a row. And just, they, they played fantastic. Um, but there were, there were a few moments in that, in that towards the end of that last season last year, where I really thought that that streak might come to an end and, and it might not just be the streak, but it, it may be, it may be our, uh, our playoffs okay. as well. So. Okay. Um, Michael, you got anything for, for our coaches? Yes. I have a couple questions or actually sort of a comment about it. Um, I was a commodities trader and when I would have a good day, I would walk the same way, get the same stuff from the day before to keep another good day. Has there been any sort of superstition, things you wear, things you do to keep this game going or do you just go like it's no big deal and, and it's just another game? <laughs> Coach Hetler, we'll start with you. Sure. Uh, I would say based on um... – you know, some of the things we do, I would say people think might think we're superstitious, but I, I'm just a big believer in routines and making kids feel comfortable and making yourself feel comfortable as a coach. Um, you know, I've got I've got a pair of pants. We, we have a pair of Argyle pants that, that have come to be my my training card that we wear before every game. Um, you know, we have the same warm up music that we play before every game. Um, we have a, we have a certain way we warm up that we like to do certain drills that we do. Um, but there's nothing, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything in particular. We take every, every opponent seriously. We, we do a full scouting report, no matter who we're playing. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything in particular, but I, I do believe in, in setting up a routine that the kids can count on. And I think it's one less thing for them to stress about as the coming up on game day. Uh, all right. I'm going to have to ask, but in real quick, would you have worn those Argyle pants? If you knew you were going to have to wear them for 52 straight games, <laughs> or would you have chosen differently? <laughs> well, I have, I mean, I've been, I've been wearing them since 2016 and now it's kind of like, you know, they're like, I think, I think that's the thing. Like someone, someone wants to beat me in those pants. So I've got to keep wearing them until, until someone Well, the so. question would be then, would you dare not wear them? That's like, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're, you're saying there's not a superstition, but you've worn those pants. Like, I would like those pants have to be on every single game. The so way, what I tell what I tell people is if if the other team and the coaches are talking about my pants, they're not focused on the game. So that's what I've told the kids on. So. <laughs> All right, Coach Holota, how about you? Any superstitions? Yeah, it's funny because my, my comment would be exactly like coaches. I, I don't think we had any – there's probably no fun superstitions, at least that I knew about. Um I can only imagine, you know, the guys individually have their own thing and their own routine and what undershirt they're wearing that probably hadn't been washed in uh, <laughs> two years and things along those lines. But uh, but I think to, to what, you know, what's funny about it and to, to what Coach was saying is you do want the guys, you know, whether you call it routine or superstition or whatever it happens to be, but I think when you do put something like that together, the routine is really, really important. You don't want it to feel – ever different no matter who the opponent is you just kind of you know it becomes sort of habit and uh you know so you're going to warm up the same way you're going to do your pregame the same way you're going to go out there you're going to take kind of take care of and so you know the winning part sort of becomes a habit and i think the routine around practice during the games whether you want to call them sort of superstitions or 
the guys lining up in a certain order or, you know, wearing a certain thing or wearing a certain pair of socks. I think what it all means, though, and, and where you actually get a lot of that value, even though it's kind of silly, and we know that the socks or the undershirt or, you know, all that really doesn't dictate a winner. <laughs> um, what it does do, though, is keep you in in a cycle that I think is is, you know, a habit and it is sort of a uh, routine that when you knowns, it makes it a lot easier to stay focused on what it is you need to do. So when the kids aren't one to be before the game, where do I have to go? What am I wearing? Do I, did I pack this? Did I bring that? You know, and so you just kind of eliminate a lot, I think, distractions in a way. So I think, I think the coach's point, the routine is, is huge. And, uh, you know, I think for us, that was something that, you know, we did a really good job of is it, it always looked very much the same, whether we were, you know, playing a playoff game, playing a conference game, an out-of-conference opponent. Um, we just try to approach it the same way. And so I do think when you do it, you know, 40 some odd times, it probably does turn into superstitions and uh, things that the kids do and that you even do as a coach and don't even realize you're doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, uh, and you don't want to then change anything because when you get in a, in a good routine and good flow and it's working, you know, the, the, you keep it going. Michael, anything else? No, that was that was the most important thing to me. You covered every, you covered everything else, but I was thinking just the superstitious part. That's that's great, and that was a great answer, actually. By the way, that it's more of a routine. That's wonderful. All right, coaches. Well, I can't thank you enough, uh, Coach Halota. I know you guys are looking to start another streak um, here in a couple of weeks. I know you guys get started practice here um, in a few weeks, and so good luck this season, Coach Hetler. Uh, you know what? I, I love that you guys have the the longest active streak in the nation right now, and it's one of those things like I um, I don't think I'm ever going to see it, but I would like someone to get somewhat close to the 91 game streak of West Genesee and Sawanka. But I don't think I'm ever going to see it because this seems like now nowadays well, I tell you that's, what. That's, that's that's a beast. <laughs> as a uh, as a as a Liverpool high school graduate of Sy- up in the Syracuse area and having lost to West Genesee multiple times in my high school career, nothing would make me happier than if we could get one record away from West Genesee. So I, I will I will do my best to get that going. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck. Good luck this season, coaches. Thank you very much. I hope everybody really enjoyed that interview with coaches Hetler and Halota. I hope you got maybe some something out of those interviews as well that maybe you can take home to your own teams. But now we've got coming up Coach Jim Davidson. He's the head coach at Summit High School out of New Jersey. Now, they had a 68-game winning streak, which is now still the longest in New Jersey history. So this is a really great one, and actually you're going to hear in the interview, but they kind of indirectly uh, are responsible for me even starting a site like Lax Records in because that streak started about the time that I was the high school lacrosse editor at ESPN. So without further ado, here's the interview with Coach Davidson. First, talk a little bit about, I guess, what I one of the things I'm curious about is at what point during a streak like that does... Um, I guess it starts to register. At what point does it start to feel like a streak? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I would say probably the you know in the first year um, it did not feel like that. We had lost the first game of the season and we came back and um, we ended up winning the rest of our games and then we won the uh, tournament of champions here in New Jersey. So. Um, that was the final game. So, you know, you kind of go through your group and then they put everybody in the same pot. You yeah. know what I mean? So they take the group one, group two, and group three and so on. So, uh, you know, at that point we were just ecstatic that we had, you know, won the tournament champions and, you know, we had been, you know, the best team in New Jersey that year and excited about it. So we were, you know, really focused on that. And I think, you know, I, yeah, so I, I think as we kind of hit into the second the second season was really where it um, kind of registered a little bit. Yeah. So at, at that point in time, I guess when it starts to feel like a streak, um, does uh, what becomes one of the bigger challenges? Because um, I know obviously we're talking about high school kids here. So is it keeping that? Like, what's the biggest challenge with that kind of streak when it gets well, to be? I mean, we never really, you know. Again, and it sounds kind of cliche a little bit as far as uh, you know we didn't really we didn't really talk about that I mean we kind of were were focused on what we need to do and go through the regular season and so you know I, I think you know the issue becomes more that other people start talking about it mm-hmm. you know and um, that kids are going home and they're hearing that and 
Um, and, you know, it, I mean, it's a good thing that people are excited or what have you, but um, you, you can't focus too much on it because um, at that point, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to win a state championship. So, yeah. um, you know, the regular season, it can kind of be distracting because there's added pressures and what have you. So I think as a staff, what we've always tried, you know, what we try to do, and we still do that, is just really kind of worry about what we need to do the next game and, and do everything the same. And that's pretty much what we did. We just pretty much just did the same things every day, prepared the same way we did, um, you know, and, and uh, try to get the kids to kind of just be consistent in what they were doing, you know, every day. And the approach was the same. So uh, I think that that helped us a lot. Yeah. Um, I guess especially when, I mean, because you guys finished at 68 games, like I'm sure once it probably got up into the 30s and 40s and stuff like that, like one of the things the other coaches had mentioned is you, you get every team's best effort. Um, yes. You know, not, not this, I, I guess I hate to say it that way because that implies that you, teams aren't giving their best effort on every, <laughs> on or, uh, just game by game. Yeah. But I guess once it gets to that thing, you guys, you guys have that extra target. Did you no. n- notice a difference in how opponents were playing you as the streak kind of started to climb. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you know, I mean, the conference that we're in is challenging, so there's a lot of rivalries and what have you, but, you know, there definitely was a feeling of of that, you know, there was getting, you know, there was extra effort or emphasis on the other team that when you were going out and you were playing. And, um, and then, you know, even when we got even, you know, the, the, you know, the media and those things that got involved, like, you know, I think in our second year, I think, you know, I think when we won the tournament champions the second year, when we won, I think when we won that game, that was the game to, um, to break the state record. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, there was all pressure on that. And, um, you know, you were, you know, you, you kind of, you know, you could feel it, even though you didn't really want to talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah, you got the, you got the, uh, the kids, you know, they got the other team's best. And, and I think the other thing, too, is, which is difficult, is that, you know, in, in tight situations, um, you know, in a close game, um, you know, you know, you see kids that are, you know, you need kids to continue to play and play through and not worry about those things because they could tighten up on the pressures of not only just trying to win the game, but the fact that, you know, you know you're, you know, you got the streak riding there on the, you know, is on the line. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's probably easier for you and your coaching staff, a um, li- little bit more accustomed to this sort of thing, to not focus on things like a streak. Was it ever a challenge to get the kids, especially like maybe? you know, a young guy that's coming, maybe a, a junior, maybe his first year on varsity or a freshman or a sophomore that is coming into this, you know, streak with this kind of uh, uh, mystique around it, like, oh, they've won 44 games in the longest streak. Like, yeah. I don't want to be part of the team that you know, that loses yeah. that game. Like, yeah. is it ever a challenge no, to keep I mean, the kids? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we tried to, you know, I think it was hard for kids coming in and, um, you know, now they've become part of it. And, and uh, you know, now you're a sophomore and you become a junior or, a freshman, a sophomore, you're on the varsity team, and you know you you gotta you gotta make sure that you know you're coming in every day and working hard. And um, I think it benefited us as far as the kids' effort and what they brought every day because there was so much on the line that we just um, you know we just kind of just picked up our level of play and, and our preparation um, every day because yeah. we knew what was out there. So yeah, kids that were stepping up and, you know, even when I look, when I think back, there's times when we had injuries and we had, you know, situations where like, wow, we can't, we're not going to be able to go with, uh, this player today. And someone else stepped up mm-hmm. and it just was, uh, it was amazing Yeah, that, uh, what you saw. So it, it kind of worked both ways, even though you're worried about the younger kid being tight in those situations and maybe worried about making a mistake. We also had kids that, you know, had, we're putting we're put into difficult situations and really came through with flying colors and contributed in uh in many different ways yeah that's great um so what's it like for the school when like in the community around the school like when something like this is going on well i mean it was exciting times i mean i think back i you know uh you know it, it was something that kind of just naturally happened um and and, you know, we were excited, like I said, to win the state championship. And then as we kind of moved into the second season, you know, we continued to go on the streak. So, um, you know, people, you know, people were talking about it and be consumed with it a little bit. So, I mean, it was good for, you know, it was good for the school. It was good for, um, you know, the game of lacrosse in the area and what have you. 
but um, you know, like I like I said before, it it, it that, that's where the distract, distractions can be, you right? Know, with with the kids. So, um, but no, it was it was exciting times. It was exciting for uh, the whole community. Yeah. So I guess this kind of wrapping up a little bit. Um, was there any? Uh, I guess superstitions. Was there? I know you guys said you you practice, kind of try to do the same thing, same way. And obviously, the coach Hetler at Dairy Field and Coach Loda at Middle Creek, they both kind of echoed the same thing. Like they didn't change anything because they didn't want to make it seem um, yeah. like anything was different. But was there any superstitions or anything? Maybe you, either you personally or you saw among the team that you're like oh, to keep it going. Yeah, I mean we. <laughs> superstitious so you know we always still do the same things but you know how we you know how we you know how we would go on to practice every day how we came into the locker room um you know all those things uh you know just little things that we would do or or say during during the season and uh still continue to do but nothing no 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 one that would be really that kind of stands out just just more or less uh you know if you know if someone was or in their uniform in a certain way, you know, and all of a sudden you might see something different. We might make a comment to them, <laughs> uh, you know, or not change how to, you know, we, you know, kid forgot his jersey, and all of a sudden you're like, no, you gotta, you gotta find it. <laughs> but uh, no, nothing, uh, nothing out of the ordinary. I, I think, I think the main thing was was that it just, uh, you know, it, it was it was a great time for for us, and it was a great experience for the kids. But uh, when I think back, I just think back at you know young kids you know 15 16 17 18 year old kids that were out there every day and have to bring their best every day and they did consistently for so long it's uh it's it's a hard thing to to do and it's a credit to the kids i mean they really you know they really really uh dedicated themselves yeah and uh, for kind of you mentioned looking back a little bit kind of looking back on that on that streak was there is there a game or a moment or you know a a, a, a time that maybe stands out maybe a little bit more maybe it was a game that you almost lost or maybe you know, obviously you had a couple championships in there but um other than the championship games was there ever a moment like that that kind of stands out maybe a little bit above the rest well there was a couple that all that you know because it went over pretty much a three-year span mm-hmm. um you know so there's a couple that that stand out but i think one in particular in my mind was in 2009, we we were in the Group Two state championship game against Morristown, <clears throat> and um, we had the lead, and they came back and tied it. And I think they had the ball with about <clears throat> excuse me 30 seconds left, and we got the ball back, and um, you know we ended up calling a timeout, and we ended up running a set play and got the ball inside to one of our attackmen, and we scored with probably about 10 seconds left, and um, you know we won that game, and then propelled us on to tournament of champions and then we had to win two more games after that but you know you know we don't get that goal or um make the play and get the ball back um you know we're not even really talking about this and so that always just that that game always stood out in my mind that that was like a turning point where we had to kind of you know win that game and then move on and there still was work to do but we easily you know they easily could have went the other way so yeah you know that 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 one. You know that one stand. That one stands out. And um, you know, I think you know the the, the following year, um, in, in, well, two years after that, where we actually lose the streak in the final game. But before the final game, we won the Group Two State Championship, and we had to play Chatham, and it was five overtime games. So that, <laughs> that was a game that went to five overtimes and was a test of wills, and uh, that was a. That was a tough, tough, tough game to get through, and our kids, you know, uh, gutted it out and came up with a win. But uh, there was definitely some battles along the way. I will say that. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, so, kind of the last last question will be is. You know, you guys now have the the longest streak in uh, New Jersey's history at at 68, and you know that's I have a, you guys at seventh all time. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that uh, Swank and West Genesee won 91 straight games, and <laughs> right, right. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I don't know if those will get broken after Darian lost last year. I was like, I thought they might have a shot if they could have gotten through the championship game last year. But right. what what do you think? It takes to get a streak like 68 games, and do you think like do, I guess do you think it'll it'll be broken in your lifetime? Do you think any you'll see another New Jersey team kind of rise to that that kind of level? Because New Jersey is honestly one of my favorite states because of the way you guys do your championship. Because you have your group championships, and then you have that 
tournament of champions. I mean, it's a gauntlet at the end of season. So um, you guys have a challenge. It is. You got to line. It's like it's like you know heavyweight championship, and then you got to line back up and and go again. So it's tough. Um, No, you know, listen. I think any record can be broken, and I think with the amount of great coaches and players that are out there, and in so many areas that you know. anything's possible um but you know i think you know when people ask me you know what does it take i you know again it wasn't the focus as we were going in you know you talk about you want to win every game but Mm -hmm. um you know it's not like you're sitting there you know saying wow we're going to win you know 60 something games or 68 or 70 games in a row so um i just think when i think back i just think that our preparation our success and all those things kind of morphed into um just us as a team and as a program just knowing that every day that we had to put our best foot forward. And I, I really do believe that our kids just stepped up. And when you look over three years, they weren't even really the same players. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like a, you know, we, we lost some good players from the first year and returned some in the second year in 2010 and had a very good team there. And in 2011, you know, we brought back a couple stars, but we lost the majority of our senior class that were, you know, very good players. And, and those kids, ended up going and winning you know 23 games and although we lost in the in the end i mean it was just uh it was you know a whole different different team that really took on the same approach that those other kids kind of um you know kind of paved the way for for them over the last two three years so it was uh it, it was exciting and when you thought when you think back i just i just you know actually just taken back at just the effort that the kids put forward yeah Hard to believe it's been eight years <laughs> since oh, no, streak it's streak two. Been a, it's been a yeah, it's it's, it's gone. Uh, you know, and, and and we've had other teams that have had success and got to the final game. You know, in fourteen we got there. We got there last year in eighteen, and um, the kids did a, you know tremendous job. And but you know, it was just every every year it's different path. You know, and there's yeah. different turning points. Uh, so it's just uh, crazy to think that we were consistent over that you know that period of time. Yeah. All right, Michael. So that was a great conversation with coaches that we had there. So we were talking a little bit about um, what it takes to guide teams on extended win streaks. And we had a pretty good variation of coaches from different states, different areas. And um, with the season in some areas of the country already started and getting ready to start in others, like I thought it was a pretty good time to kind of talk about level of competition because it's a subject for me that generally comes up from somewhere in the um, lacrosse universe because obviously I run a statistics-based site. And generally at some point someone mentions, oh yeah, but they did it against X. Like there's always some sort of asterisk someone wants to put by a performance that I highlight on the site. I figured this is a good time to kind of touch on that. And this will be something that we'll probably come back to during at some point during the season. Or I'll just point someone to this minute mark in this episode (laughs) and be like, please listen to this. So I don't have to repeat myself. But um, so from my perspective, I really have um, there's, there's more than one rule, but obviously the overarching rule of the site is it's a varsity level performance, which basically means has to be a varsity team. I don't cover junior varsity. It is a varsity team that is playing against another varsity level team. And so, you know, for me, that's the delineation. Like there have been teams like I've had performances that have that I've had on the site. And then someone has pointed out like, hey, this team, two of their games actually were against teams that either weren't sanctioned in a state in a state sanctioned school or state. And those teams were fielding JV teams. So like this team was trying to get just fill their schedule They had to play two games against a JV to fill those spots for various reasons. So those two performances were against JV teams. So I removed the statistics from those two games. Everything else was included except the couple games that were against JV teams. So that's my kind of delineation of, okay, this is what performances count, and this is what doesn't. And various states, like obviously with the states that are state-sanctioned, it's a little bit easier with states like Texas, Texas, and, you know, Illinois, well, no, Illinois is bad because they just got sanctioned. So, like, right. <laughs> um, Texas, I'll say Iowa because I'm just thinking Midwest right now. But, like, this the various states. Um, we'll say even Tennessee, even though they're going to be sanctioned um, if, from now on. But, you know, the different states that don't have – like, it's a little bit different, a little bit harder 
to to judge the JV and varsity. But for the most part, like everybody has a varsity and a JV, especially the team, the states that are kind of a little bit more organized. Because obviously Texas is, as we heard from Ryan a couple of weeks ago, it's an organized state. Like the THSLL does a good job of kind of organizing the state and um, around a format of some sort. Now every state doesn't do that format the same. Um, you know, Division One, Division Two, Class A, Class B. And various things like that. So I just kind of want to see what do you think um, on that. Well, I know you come from the you come from the stats side, and stat, <laughs> you're all right. Yes, uh, sorry. Stats are stats are great. Uh, I don't always buy into the stat because there's things where I've seen like um, you'll see a team uh, like in in max preps last year. Like I would look at a team from a state and they would say, Oh, that's the number one team in the state. And you'd look and they'd say they're seven and oh, and then another team they'd say is like 12th because they're five and four. Well, those four games, they went out East and they played four teams out East or they, you know, and, and the other team didn't play anyone. So I, I always took that into consideration saying, I don't go by a state ranking in something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, teams don't have a choice who they can play. I mean, and so you play the competition that's there and you, and, and that's it. So if you win or if you get a record or something like that, I believe that's strong. Now, granted, not all across is created equal. Mm-hmm. Um, not all talent is equal. There's, you know, there's more talent here or more talent here. That's, that's a different argument, but you can't, you can't sit there. That's an apples and oranges. It's something you could never figure out. So it's, this is the, you're the closest thing to actually getting it with your stats. Uh, the MIAA is not, uh, is, let's say they're the best. They play the toughest teams regularly. But who's to say like a, a team from California couldn't go and play with those teams? You don't know. We don't know. I would love to see. I would love to see something like that. Um, but it might not happen. So I can't take away from somebody who does something in California or, or in Texas or in Illinois or in Michigan and say, well, it was against this talent. Well, it's the talent that was in front of them. Um, one, way, one way I look at I question it and look at it is when you see records by players, um, like a lot of goals, then I go and look at where did they go afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, who was it last year? Was it uh, – Owen Caputo, is that his name? Yes, out of Middle Creek. In North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he had. State's well, all time leading score, by the way. Right. Well, that uh, he went to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, granted, isn't his father the uh, offensive coordinator? Yeah. <laughs> right. So he knows how to play lacrosse. I mean, he's been playing it since he was born. But, but you could sit there and say someone will be like, oh, that was North Carolina. He got the most goals in North Carolina. He didn't do it in New York. and He didn't do it in Maryland. I go, well, obviously he's good enough. He's playing at Duke. Um, there was kid like uh, the other one, a big scorer from Utah, Bubba Fairman. Mm-hmm. Bubba Fairman. Uh, some people might have questioned his stats when he was playing in Utah. Mm-hmm. And then now he's an absolute stud at Maryland. So um, that's – my thing is I'll start looking at where the kid goes on to play college. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if he disappears, then I'll say, okay, well, he might have been lucky playing against these teams. But if he ends up playing in college, especially at a high-level D1, I'll say, okay, that's right. But other than that, there's nothing you could really do about it. Yeah. And people get really unhinged about it, which you know <laughs> and I know. You mention something, and people, they get so defensive, and you just say, listen, it, it, it's – it's not the end of the world. It's just that's who it is. That's that's how it that's how it goes. Give me one second. All right. <coughs> All right. That one was kind of brutal. Was right. Like, I will obviously edit that out. I was right. finishing my talk with you, and I was like, I am near about coming to tears trying to hold this cough back. <laughs> I tried to hold it back, the microphone away from me, but I was like, I don't think this is gonna my, my, muffle out. You gotta get the cough, you gotta get the cough button. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I wish they had a mute button. I'm gonna have to put in a request. I'm like, you guys need to be able to mute a channel. <coughs> I 
that would be the easiest thing if I had control to mute because I could just mute myself. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> I put a cough drop in, so hopefully that'll help. Now that I've <clears throat> gotten it out. Good. <clears throat> All right, yeah, I guess one thing that I would, I guess maybe the caveat, or maybe I need to put tricks is I am not a recruiting site. I have never... Well, I can't say I've never run a recruiting site because I did it when I was with ESPN when we covered recruiting. But I've never, like, we do the players to watch, but those are really more the players in their respective areas that have had some sort of impact on their team in previous seasons. You know, whether it's made All-State, U.S. Across All-American, Under Armour All-American, they receive generally some sort of honors or have received something specifically from a coach saying, this is a player to look out for, and maybe they were sitting behind someone the year before. But generally, and that's why I don't do freshmen because freshmen haven't had that opportunity yet. <clears throat> but I don't pay attention to recruiting. Like I don't, you know, I know where some of the kids um, on the list are going to college, but I don't track it. It's just something that doesn't really interest me because, as I've said before, like I don't think destination should be <clears throat> the end all, be all of of where the kids are going. So I just choose to go in a different way. So for me, I'm not. And Lax Records does not say, like, you know, player A, because he scored 500 points in his career, is better than everybody that's below him. That is not, to me, what this list says. It is never, like, to me, no list says that, because even in any other sport, I mean, you take, obviously, the Super Bowl just passed, so Jim Brown and lacrosse came in. Like, I don't think there's many people that would argue that Jim Brown may be one of the greatest running backs in the NFL, but he doesn't hold the record for most rushing yards. Um, in a career. So for me, like stats don't necessarily pretend to say who the greatest player <clears throat> is. And for me, like you mentioned the MIAA, most of the kids out of the MIA never make the list. A great majority of them don't even make the Maryland list at, at all. Like there are a few that are on the all time scores list, but the kid who's on the top, he is going to university of Maryland, but Louis Dubik, um, he was a public school kid. And a lot of times, like, that's because in a boys' Latin or a uh, St. Paul's or a Gilman, those kids have sat behind All-Americans for two years because those All-Americans sat behind someone for two years. So those kids are maybe only playing two years. The talent level at those schools is generally much deeper than it has as a general public school because just where they're getting kids from, where they're pulling from. So for me, like, I'm not arguing that player A is better than player B just based on the stats. Like for me, I'm just reporting like this performance happened. Zed Williams scored 700 points in his career. It's a ridiculous number of points. <laughs> and <clears throat> even looking at that, like he played as an eighth grader. People would like to throw that out there. That is perfectly legal in New York, New York, Massachusetts. And I'm sure there's other States allowed eighth graders to play on Minnesota the team, Minnesota. So yep. like Brennan O'Neill, he's another example. He is at St. Anthony's now, but as an eighth grader, he played on Cold Spring Harbor's championship winning team. So he's going to be a five-year player. So, yes, some of these stats, kids get more points because they get an extra year. And I'm not really – I guess I, my point is <clears throat> I don't make a judgment on that. Like, for me, the numbers, like, Brennan O'Neill, his point total for his career will be this. He did it all against varsity program. To me, it's almost more impressive, like, the number of points, because I think he put up 90-some points as an eighth grader playing on a varsity team, on a championship team. Like, to me, that's impressive. I don't care if you give him an extra – if you say he had an extra year or not. I'm like, you 90 – I think 98 points or 90-some points playing that kind of schedule as an eighth grader against kids that were four years older than him. To me, that's impressive. But I don't make a judgment on, you know, he's better than every player below him just because on the base, the, the point basis that he did. And I think that's kind of what <clears throat> some people think or maybe how they read it. Or when I promote a stat on social media, there's a, they want me to put that asterisk like, oh, but they did it against X. And I'm like, well, that's who they played. <clears throat> they can't play, you know, they can't play boys Latin schedule. Like I really, it's, it's almost like for me, I'm like, but they still did it. They had to play the games. Right. That's, and that's, and that's the, and then on the flip side though, because uh, I've had this conversation with a few different people and, and said, well, that, and I've heard that 
player isn't as good as this player and this player isn't as good as this player and they've got more goals and whatever. And I said, well, your player who you might think is really good, maybe he's the beneficiary of having four or five great players with him. Right. Uh, you know, when, when, when one guy's getting doubled the whole time and leaving this one open, it could help him. So I go, there's, there's two angles to every story. There are probably a lot of kids who are considered a lot better than they might actually be because of a, a great player on their team yeah. or a great system or great coaching um, either way. So there's, there's, there's what more nine ways to skin a cat. There's yeah. so many different ways people could look at things and your way is statistics. Okay. And, <clears throat> and so statistically that's dead on. I mean, you can't really screw it up. Here's, here's your, here's your, your uh, what you need to be. Mm-hmm. And then you're putting the stats out. Let take the stats as they're worth. You know, if, if you want to follow it and listen to it, that's great. If you don't, that's great. But it's a pretty good thing to to start start from. Yeah. You know, because <clears throat> if that if that stat or something comes up when you like to point out something like this team is on a winning streak, they're doing this. If that draws you to that team to follow them, I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I always think that's a good thing. Yeah. If it makes you want to watch this kid play, great. I'm gonna go watch him play. <laughs> That's what I want to see. I want to see the ki- I want to see the kid who could score like this. Is he just on a? Is he just playing against bad competition, or can you? Or is he a great player who might be playing against bad competition? You right. can tell the player. <clears throat> you could tell. You could you could sit there and watch a game and know in five minutes who the kids are that are really good. Yeah. Just by how they move. Just by. So, if your stats bring me to see something, or they bring somebody else who's taking who's looking at Lax record and say, Oh, I want to take a look at that. I, I think you're doing a, a, a service. Uh, and, and I think that's, and I think, again, I think that's great for the sport of lacrosse, especially at the high school level. Yeah. And for me, like I was one of those things like the, <clears throat> the, one of the big driving forces between behind me, even starting the site was I knew there was more kids. That, <clears throat> again, like I said, there's more to a high school playing career than where you end up going to college. And so for me, like I knew starting the site and doing the thresholds that I did was going to eliminate certain quality of players, like because of MIA guys like, well, they're probably never going to be, you know, the top 25 in scoring just based on like they're only playing two years and they're not playing maybe as many games as some other schools in the nation. So I was like, well, you know, but that's fine because there's yeah, there might players. be four other scorers on their team. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the rock. so much going on. Like, you know, a 20 goal score in the MIA is probably, you know, is probably still pretty darn good, but you know, from my site's threshold, it's not really going to rate anywhere. But like I said, that really doesn't ultimately mean anything to a college recruiter. Now on the flip side, like I know I've had college coaches <clears throat> tell me that, what I do has helped them identify players that they didn't know about before. And it may be because those kids are putting up points in what some people consider a, a, a nowhere or a, uh, no, not nowhere. I'm going to struggle for a word. Like they're playing in a non-traditional area. They're playing uh, against teams that they may not have heard of before. So they make, it may give them like, well, I keep hearing this kid's name. Let me give him a look. And for me, I'm like, those are the stories I love. Like when I, when I've heard coaches tell me that, like, I'm like, that's why I started this. That's why I do it because those kids need the attention too. And they get the attention. So for me, I love that. And a little interesting note that I remember when I first started Lax records, Nate Solomon was, I think he was a sophomore. Um, It would have been 2014. What is he now? It doesn't feel like it should be that long ago, but five years ago, five years ago. (laughs) Um, so I think he was maybe a sophomore, maybe a junior in high school. I can't remember. I have to look back. Um, but I remember someone telling him because he obviously he ended up with more than 600 uh, career points. Um, but I remember someone having a conversation with me or telling me he's not that good. He's only putting up those points because he's playing in Georgia. I think he's doing all right at Syracuse. So nice. it's one of those things. It's like to your point, it's just like was Nate like back then it was easy to be like, Oh, he's just doing it because he's playing teams from Georgia. If you put him against real competition, he wouldn't put up those points. And to to a point, I would kind of tend to agree with that. I was like, would he put up a 600 points if he's playing the MIA? Probably not because just don't think that would have happened. Like, I don't think he would have needed to score that many points or I don't think he would have had that many opportunities. I don't think he would have played for four years if he had been on a boys' line. So, and again, maybe he would have. He's probably, he is that good that maybe he would have been a four-year. Shaq Stanhope was a four-year starter at boys' Latin 
so it's like but it's just to me kind of funny that <clears throat> and maybe it's some of the elitist in some people that feel like you know my state is better than your state so if a player from your state is putting up better points i have to justify it in some form or fashion so i can still feel better about my state i don't know but that's just kind of you know i'm not a psychologist but that's just kind of one of those things like i always think about whenever someone i'm like what we don't have to tear down a kid's performance to make other teams sound better i'm like they just are what they are like the kid can have a great career and for me i'm like if he never goes on to college I'm like he still had a great high school career kid puts up 500 points and he decides to not go to college I'm like well he still had he had a great high school career to me I'm like you can't take that away from him so and that's for me is really what I look for at the end of the day is just kind of highlighting these performances and I mean we talked to the coaches about the winning streaks and you know what it kind of means to some of the programs in the areas like people like seeing some of this stuff they like seeing the Dairyfields on a 53 game streak they're hoping they get close to Bedford 72 game streak like to me, that's exciting to, to see that kind of stuff and the people pay attention and to kind of just be more aware because I don't think before I started this site, like some of this stuff really wasn't aware. People may have tried to dig on it, but as I've found over the years, it's not the most readily available information. You kind of got to dig to find some of this stuff. And sometimes you got to hope someone has a newspaper clipping somewhere stashed away in a file cabinet <laughs> that they haven't thought about in 20 years. Well, one of the things that I like um... – that I've been hearing more and more from coaches because now I've talked to high school coaches and college coaches over the last few months more than I ever have just because of my association with lax records. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I, what I, and, and travel coaches and a lot of parents, which and actually kids, actually players um, is every one of them says, thank you. Like we love what you're doing, we love how you're helping, we love how you're promoting this. You you come up with these things, and they're talking about you. You know that's why I always like to tout. You know, like I've said, you're like a human computer, or the Wiki, <laughs> the, Wikipedia, the Wikipedia of lacrosse. But it's appreciated. And the coaches that were on tonight, they both said, "Well, thanks for you to be able to put something like this because you know what, records are sort of cool." Like. Tell me if I don't tell me you score 500 goals in your high school days and then you're 35 sitting in a bar with your buddies. and You're like, hey, I scored 500 goals. I mean, that's it's the Al Bundy technique. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know. People probably won't even know who Al Bundy is. But, you know, talking about Polk High and what I did, it, it's that's the stuff that sports are about is because you can't play them forever. Yeah. Um, and if you could sit there and have a story and have a and have something to talk about. That's what it's about. So, and, and having a record now that's even better is because going back to this, if there was a kid who's 26, 27 and says, Hey, five years ago, I scored, they can go to lax records and find it. Yeah. And what is that? That's it? what's cool. Was there like picks or it didn't happen? Like, you know, everybody, right. Everybody that's proof the, nowadays, right. So. Right. Exactly. So now you are proof. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing actually. Yeah. I find, I find it cool. Like it, obviously I never didn't really start it from that. The funny thing is like, I remember starting the site because I was thinking, I was like, Oh, this will be good for local reporters because you know, I was a reporter. So I like, I was thinking it out of that and I was like, Oh, you know, coaches and parents will pay attention. But I was like, I really thought it'd be a resource for reporters. And obviously I underestimated the interest at the initial uh, start. But like, for me, it's like, I really like records are cool. That's really like if you thought it was like the why I would have started something like this, that was really kind of the to boil it down to its essence. Like that was it. Like I was like, I thought this stuff was cool. I thought there might be a chance other people would think it's cool as well. But you know, I just I thought we'd get that level of competition discussion out there to kind of cut anybody off at the pass because I know it comes up because it comes up every year. That asterisk always wants to go in. And for me, I'm like, well, you know, that's part of the great thing. And we've talked about it before. It's part of one of the great things about sports is being able to have that debate, being able to talk. And, you know, people are doing it now. Is LeBron greater than Jordan? Is, you know, Bird or Magic? Like, no matter what sport, where you're at, what decade you played, who you saw play, people want to debate on who's better. And for me, I'm like, that's why I don't make the judgments on this because I'm like, well, that's for other people to decide. Like, I'm cataloging it. I'm recording everything. And for me, I'm like, if people want to debate on which team was better, I mean, we have, we've talked win streaks this week or uh, uh, we're, so we're talking about, <clears throat> you know, 
that level of competition, you know, versus, you know, a Sawanka in the, the 40s who won 91 versus a West Genesee in the 80s who won. I'm like, you're never going to know which team would have beat which. They both won 91 straight games. Which one was better? It's a great debate to be able to have, and there's no way to be able to solve it. But we can have that talk, and you can have the conversation. You can have it over a beer or whatever your beverage of choice is, but it's like it's there. So for me, like, that's part of what it is, like being able to bring those debates and be able to be able to talk cordially to each other without yeah, having well. to tear anybody down. We don't – you know, rising tide lifts all boats, as you said, and I think your yes. first column, like – that's where I bring it from. Like, we don't have to tear anybody else's achievement down to make other achievements sound better. Like, we can lift everybody up. And from my perspective, like, that's what we should be doing. We should, <clears throat> in my opinion, like, everybody in the country, except for maybe the people in New Hampshire and the dairy field opponents, because I'm sure they don't <laughs> want to be part of it. But I'm like, I think everybody else, like, for me, I'm like, I would love to see dairy field break that streak of 91 games. I would love it. Um, I think that would be great, but I don't think I'm ever going to see that streak end, but you know, it's just one of those things. But at that rate, like, um, I'm sure we could go on and on as we usually tend to do, but we probably should wrap it up. So with like, I realized last week we forgot to tell everybody where they can find us. So I don't want to make that mistake this week. So Michael, where can people find you? Um, you can email me at mward at, uh, laxrecords.com, or you can find me on Twitter at MFWCHI. Uh, MFW shy because I was from Chicago, and again, as people know, you send me a message, I'm going to I'm going to respond. And you can find me at Lax Records on Twitter and Instagram, on LaxRecords.com, and obviously Facebook.com/slash Lax Records. Everybody, have a great week. Have a great week. That's the show for this week. Before we drop out for the week, I wanted to ask everybody, if you don't mind, just leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play um, or wherever you listen to this podcast. It really helps out the show, and I'm sure Michael and I would love to hear what you guys think of the show and obviously make any adjustments that we may need as we move into future shows. We're rapidly approaching episode 100, which is very exciting for both of us. And if you don't haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. You're already listening to it in your podcast player of choice, so there should be a little button there for you just to tap that way you get notified of new episodes as they happen we generally publish every sunday and we'd love to hear all you guys come back next week